when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hi there, welcome to the Stock Club Podcast. This week, we're not coming to you from the top floor of my Wall Street HQ in Dublin as we're all at home self-isolating. Uh, I'm James, and with me this week is Emmett Savage, our co-founder and chief investor, and Rory Carrot, our head analyst. Well, guys, uh, how's the self-isolation going? Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a bit uh, boring. It's just, I have a feeling 2020 is going to be defined by boredom because the so, things that you used to take pleasure from are now either stripped away or available to you in your home where you're isolated yeah. all day. So you just basically, it's, it's just going to get very boring. So just for people listening, why don't you, Emma, you start off, tell us uh, where you are at the moment <laughs> and what, what so, your, your, your setup is. So right now, this very moment, I'm in a spare bedroom in my <laughs> home in South Dublin, usually uh i'm in my dedicated office at home but as it happens my wife is also self-isolating and she needs to use the office so i'm at home in a bedroom at a desk rory how are you getting on yeah i'm in my own apartment uh i i live alone so i don't have that problem (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how i don't know how i would manage uh working with my significant other like in the same building all the time i don't think that yeah (laughs) i i saw i saw there was an article about i think in china already there's been uh like dozens of divorces from people working at home together with their significant other uh, yeah it's definitely a it's a good test for for the strength of our relationship so let's get straight into it and i suppose let's address the big elephant in the room at the moment so thanks to the coronavirus that has us all uh, sitting at home in our in our offices our kitchens our, our spare bedrooms um the the market over the last two weeks has been a roller coaster to say the least uh, if roller coasters tend to just go down <laughs> thanks in no small part to the spread of coronavirus and um, the 11 year bull market that started at the end of the financial crisis back in 2008 2009 has finally come to an end um, at the moment, the Dow Jones has fallen more than 26% since the start of the year, while the S&P 500 is down over 22%, and the NASDAQ is down close to 20%. Look, there's no point, I think, guys, in going over all the, the ins and outs of it. I think everyone's been kind of glued to it over the past two weeks. But I suppose the first thing I want to ask, and Emma, I might come to you first, is, you know, as an investor sitting here watching the market crash like this, what, what do you do? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. That the first is you don't panic. And I think that's the most important thing because, you know, uh, it was Morgan Housel who said very recently that optimism and pessimism is always exaggerated and you don't really know in which direction until it's past tense. So right now, uh, the world has gone into pessimism, which is off the back of the fact that we don't absolutely know when coronavirus will end and how it will end and when we'll see a vaccine and all the other news that we're all absorbing. So it's very natural to feel a sense of worry or panic, which uh, shouldn't be there. It's it's easy to say that, but you know, once you and yours are okay, and once you've um, 
I guess, isolated yourself and, and, and once you're doing all you can to protect yourself, don't worry because this will pass. Um, second thing is, I guess, we're looking at the market in, I don't use the word free fall, but yesterday uh, it was close to free fall and um, we've seen the circuit breaker kick in several times, which means the stock market stopped trading to allow everybody cool down. And, and, um, and again, this is very difficult to use your rational mind for because irrational behavior is sponsoring that fall. And then the third thing, uh, so uh, the third thing is that for each individual business, well, everything more or less has gone on sale, but I think you, you have to look at businesses with three considerations. The first is, does it have enough cash to survive? Will two or three or four quarters of changed earnings ruin the business's story? And yeah. the third, I guess, is will there be a recession? And can this business make it through to the other end of a recession? So there's kind of three, there's micro and macroeconomics, I guess, in that. But for each individual business, we're, we're trying to assess, is it going to hurt for two or three quarters? Is the bigger market going into a downturn? And can this business survive and start to grow again? So um, you mentioned there that, um, you know, one way of looking at this is that a lot of kind of stocks and companies have gone on sale or gone to a discount. Mm. Is now the right time to start buying these, or do you think maybe you know it's still a little bit too volatile and we should hold out for a bit longer? Yeah, it's 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 difficult to answer that question because now implies in the moment, it implies today, and what I feel is soon we will find, uh, I think, a bottom, uh, mm. but I don't know how soon soon is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I say now-ish. You know, like there, there are wonderful businesses now that have been crushed. Like they're fifty plus percent down. Yeah. No time at all. They are the same business that they were four weeks ago, uh, and all of a sudden you can buy double the amount of shares as you could have previously. So yeah. basically, uh, is now the right time? Uh, soon is the right time, but but there, I don't believe there's a rush. I think we have to wait to see a, a little bit of calm come back in before we start piling in. I suppose you could make the argument that you only know it was the right time to buy when it's already gone by, kind of in, in yeah. retrospect, as you've already said. Uh, Rory, I'm going to come to you. So we added a new stock to the My Wall Street shortlist this week. And when you and I were talking about it, you you said that it's actually, you know, with, with all that's going on, it's actually very hard to pick individual companies to kind of analyze and assess at the moment. Yeah, I mean, um, just going back to the what Emma was saying there, you know, the, the stock market's down, what did you say, 22% so far this year? You know, the good news is we're 22% closer to the bottom. You know, that's the that's <laughs> you can say about it. And um, yeah, you know, this is going to be a weird podcast because usually we do talk mostly about individual companies and we don't talk about the overall market as much. Uh, but it's it's very difficult to consider individual companies right now, you know, 130 companies in the S&P 500 are down more than 40% just this wow. year. Um, 63 are down more than 50% and 16 are down over 70%. So That's incredible. You know, aren't those incredible numbers? I mean, this is only March. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long 2020 already. And you, know, you do see wild swings in individual companies and some of them are you can kind of understand you know travel stocks are obviously going to be hit very hard uh bill ackman of pershing 
uh, Square was on CNBC yesterday, had a little bit of a online uh, on air meltdown and said that Hilton was going to zero. You know, that's because the whole travel industry is going to be affected by this quite a lot. Then on the flip side of that, you have what's been called the stay at home stocks. So your Zooms, which is what we're using right now to record this podcast, uh, your DocuSigns, all these stocks that help people to work from home and stay out of the office are actually going up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can't, talking about individual companies right now seems almost redundant. You can talk about sectors and you can talk about spaces, but, you know, even trying to pick, you know, we, we decided we were like, will we try and be kind of, will we look at stocks at the moment in a sense of we're trying to pick up ones that have gone cheap? Will we target individual sectors or will we kind of do what we always do, which is look at them purely as good businesses and long-term investments and just continue to do that and try and ride this out? I think that's the, the second one is probably the way to go for for investors. You know, the the companies that you loved three months ago are still great companies. Uh, they're just at a at a much lower price than they were beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Emmett, earlier you said um, when you were looking at companies, it was important to you know assess how much cash they have and I suppose their how robust they are. And and you mentioned, you know, if a recession comes after a downturn like this, in your mind, is a recession an inevitability? No, I wouldn't like to call it inevitable, James. I, I do think it's it, it, it's looking increasingly likely countries yeah. around the world are using their cash reserves, their rainy day fund right now. Uh, Ireland, a tiny country um, of between what is about four and a half million people living in Ireland. I think last week, uh, 140,000 people working in the service industry in Dublin were laid off. So restaurateurs, chefs, you know, hairdressers, barbers, they basically were sent home. And, and that in a tiny context, in the context of Dublin, 140,000 people are now joining what we call over here the live register they need state assistance to pay the bills and I, if you take that single story or anecdote and multiply it across the entire world i think it's uh we're going to the the long tail of this of this event is is going to be very long and i just can't see the world not going into some form of a recession so i i hope uh, I hope it's a short-lived recession. I think a recession is defined as six months of successive contraction of an economy. The average yeah. recession lasts about 22 months. Um, you know, I don't like to bet on the negative, but I I would not be surprised to see a uh, a recession as a result of this. Yeah, I just uh, I'll give you some uh, stats here. Um, I think this was from a Goldman Sachs report. It says event-driven bear markets typically lead to between a 20 and a 25% decline, and the average recovery is 15 months. Okay. So that's just historically uh, how, how things look. Um, doesn't mean it's going to happen this time, but that's that's the, the historic way of looking at it. This is the moment is the 13 worst bear markets since the late 1920s. Wow. Um, but the good news from that is returns from these crashes are usually very good. Uh, so if you look back at the most recent one, 2007, you know, the, the total drawdown was around 56%. And over the next uh, year, the stock market gained 53%. And over the next five years, it gained 181%. So, so you know, this, this is, you know, you say like, um, you know, we always talk about 
looking for opportunities. It's wow. very easy to find opportunities in hindsight. Uh, yeah. You know, if you were to go back and ask someone, you know, look, looking back at 2007, 2008, it looks like an incredible opportunity for investors. But most investors you talk to who were, you know, uh, were, were around at that time will tell you it certainly didn't seem like an opportunity. You know, they were, there was mass panic. People thought America as a, as a country was out of business, that it was, yeah. that the world was being pulled apart at the seams. So, you know, it, it, I suppose when you're in something, it's so hard to see the positives. And that's probably where we are right now. You know, I wrote a piece yesterday about uh, looking back at opportunities and trying to find opportunities when you're in the moment of them. And one of my favorite kind of anecdotes or, or, or kind of thoughts is uh, the film Forrest Gump came out in 1994. And there's a great scene in that film where he opens up a letter and his war buddy had invested some money in a, in a fruit company for him. And it turned out that that company had become big and now he was a multimillionaire. <laughs> and of course, the fruit company was, was Apple. Now, that was back in 1994. Can you imagine how many people were watching that film and thinking, God, we really missed the boat on that. Yeah. Didn't we, you know, like, and back then Apple stock was sitting at around a split adjusted $1.20. You know, yesterday it was at $245. So, you know, it's very simple for people to go, oh yeah, there was so much opportunity back then. But when you're in it, it's it's people who are able to see it at the time, who act on it, that, that do the best out of these things. And this is probably one of those times, you know, that, this will at one point, one day we will look back on this as a massive investment opportunity. We just yeah. don't know when that day is. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Agree more. Um, just to finish up then, Emmett, I, I don't want to call you the oldest person here, but I suppose the person with the most experience. That's <laughs> um, actually correct. Don't worry, James. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how does this um, downturn compare with others you've experienced? So you, you've been investing for over two decades. So um, you invested through the dot-com crash, through the 2008 financial crisis. So, you know, how, how does this this current market compare to those? Well, according to the volatility index, which is, I suppose, a measure with numbers, a measure of fact, this is one of the worst. But for me, uh, maybe it's the fact that I'm a little older. Um, I don't want to say I'm wiser, but I'm definitely more experienced. Uh, it doesn't feel as bad. And that could be a consequence of the speed of onset. So literally yeah. four or five weeks ago, the stock market and the world was happily plodding on, um, optimistically enjoying life. And next thing, we're all here working from home around the world. And and the speed of onset of this downturn almost doesn't hasn't afforded us all or, or me personally enough time to contemplate in the way that I did during the dot-com uh, bubble burst and also uh, in 2008. So uh, for me, it just feels like I'm almost thankful that this onset has come so fast. We yeah. didn't prepare. I mean, the four of us here, uh, I include Luke, we very regularly talk about, you know, how we will behave when a, when a downturn kicks in and we are behaving in that way. But it's happened so quickly it just is. It just is. Suddenly, everything just came tumbling down. Everybody, yeah. I did a, I did a, a webinar yesterday, and I could detect a real sense of um, trepidation, I suppose, from the from the attendees. Um, but I could also equally sense um, excitement. I think mm. most rational people realize that um, Disney is not half the company it was five weeks ago. 
but its share price is almost halved from that. Yeah. And, and I think that people now who can afford to grab some spare cash, and not everyone can, uh, will be looking to deploy it. So for me, to your question, James, I'm feeling um, cautiously excited about this. And the only, the only, I suppose, concern I have is the duration. To your question earlier, will this be a recession? And, you know, that recessions are ugly business to pull out of and sit and wait. But frankly, uh, we four, and I hope the vast majority of our listeners have temperament and time to sit through it and just wait for, for all boats to rise again. Absolutely. Um, so let's move on then. So I just want to mention that there's loads of great stuff to check out in my Wall Street at the moment. Um, there's March's Stock of the Month report. Uh, there's March's Stock of the Month podcast, which is an exclusive subscriber-only podcast um, that lives in the My Wall Street platform. And there's also our brand new stock edition, which I've already mentioned, that we added on Monday. So make sure to go into My Wall Street and check all of that out right now. Um, Rory, I'm going to come to you now for the company we never talk about. And this is actually, I suppose, strictly speaking, a collection of companies we might never talk about. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's not really a company at all, is it? We're talking about the S&P 500, yeah. um, which, which, you know, you can invest in very easily. It's the 500 largest companies in the United States as, as measured by market cap. And it's one of the most popular ways to invest. Um, it's uh, essentially a, a, an index fund. So buying one, we have an ETF in the in the app uh, called Boo, which is the Vanguard 500, S&P 500 index. And what you do when you invest in that is you basically invest in a bucket of 500 companies with a single purchase. Um, and as we've been talking about, you know, there's just different ways that the market is measured. Uh, oftentimes on the news is reported as the Dow. They talk about the Dow numbers falling a certain amount, which is very annoying uh, to people who work in the investment community because, first of all, the Dow is a very strange index. It's, the Dow is 30 companies. And not only is it only 30 companies, but they they weight the Dow by the actual nominal price of the stocks in the Dow. Meaning that a company that has, uh, you know, a five hundred dollar stock is weighed a lot more than a company that has a ten dollar stock, regardless yeah. of what the market caps of the companies are. That's really uh, that's a very odd and strange behavior. Um, and also, they talk about it in terms of points. So you'll often hear about the the Dow falling a thousand points these days. Uh, the Dow falling a thousand points doesn't seem to mean anything anymore. You know, it's uh, that's more than the, the Dow was worth in its entirety when it was started. So what we like to do, what investors typically like to talk about is the S&P 500, because it's, first of all, it's a much broader collection of companies and also that it's weighted by market cap. And we like to talk about it in percentages. So that's just a lot, uh, a much better way of discussing how the market's going on. And um, Talking about the S and P at the moment, you know Howard Marks is one of the greatest investors. If you ever, if you ever want to read uh, the thoughts of one of the greatest investors of all time, you've got people like Warren Buffett and Peter Lynch. Probably someone we don't talk about much is a guy called Howard Marks, who's the CEO of Oak Tree Capital, one of the biggest uh, money managers in the world. And they did some uh, research into the into the S and P 500 and said stocks on average return somewhere between nine and ten percent a year. However, they very rarely return between 8 and 12% in an actual given year. So really, the average is not the norm. Yeah. And, you know, why, why is that the case? It's because emotions get in, 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 
evolve. You know, it should just go up 10% a year if that's how fast companies grow, but that's not how it works. People become, you know, things go up way too fast and then they fall really fast. That's just the way the markets go. Um, so investing in the S&P 500 is a way that historically will, guarantee, will not guarantee you, nothing's guaranteed in the stock market, but historically over the long run will provide you a 10% per year return, which, you know, if you were to put that into real money uh, terms, means that about every seven years, you're going to double your money. Okay. That's incredibly powerful for investors to be able to say that for, for doing very little, you know, you don't need to do any research really. You don't need to follow the stock market in any way. You can really set it and forget it. And every seven years, your money is going to double on average. And um, just, just when you were saying that, Rory, my mind was instantly uh, brought to like the return from a savings account, a regular savings account you might have with a bank. And for probably the same amount of effort as, you know, investing in the S&P or, or leaving your money in a savings account, the, the returns are massive of pretty expected yeah. returns. Yeah, of course. And uh, like having money in a savings account is going to lose you money usually because inflation is going to be worth more than the money that you are getting, the, you know, less than 1% these days that you're going to get from the savings account. Now, yeah. saying that, the reason you would have money in a savings account rather than in the S&P 500 is because you don't want money in the stock market that you're going to need in the next, you know, three to five years. That's yeah. very important for new investors to remember. Investment invested money is not available. It feels like it's available to you at all the time because stocks are very liquid and you can buy and sell pretty much every day of the week. You can you know every day of the week, but it's when you see things like what's happening at the moment when you see massive drawdowns, that's when you realize that money should not be in the stock market. If you needed money for a wedding or you were going to buy a house in the next couple of months, if you had all that money in the stock market you're in a bad position right now. That's, you know, it's, that's why you have money in the same case. So, the, so yes, comparing the, the returns on them is enlightening, enlightening but uh, you also need to remember that they have two very different functions. Okay. Investing money is for 10 years down the line. That's what, you, that's what you're looking for. Um, and, you know, like the one of a, a great quote from uh, Warren Buffett was, you know, bad news is an investor's best friend. Uh, because it lets you buy a slice of the future at markdown prices. And if you think the future is going to be bright, and I think you know you should, historic history has shown that it, it, it is, then this is a great time to invest in uh, a broad market fund that will most likely, based on all the history, be higher than it is today uh, in okay. 10 years. Yeah, so so as, as we were talking about earlier, it's quite hard to pick individual companies at the moment, but perhaps the best route for an investor, maybe who's dollar cost averaging or something like that might be to look at, um, you know, an ETF like the VU, um, which tracks S&P. Yeah, like so many times, I mean, like I have, uh, I'm one of the few people I know in this country anyway, who is involved in investing. And uh, mm. pretty much the other, the other four or three are on this call and in the offices, you know, not, not many Irish people uh, do invest in individual stocks. Um, and but I do get an awful lot of people come to me and ask me, you know, at the very start, oh, can you give me some help getting set up? And you know, what stock should I start investing in? And you know, usually I just tell them to download our app because it's all there anyway. But what I often find is, you know, it's it's that even that's just too much effort for them, and they can't, you know, they want to get invested and they want to have their money working for them, but they don't particularly have the inclination or the time to go researching individual stocks. 
um, you know, they don't even think about companies in that way. It's just yeah. how their how their brain is, is hardwired. And it is a is a perfectly perfectly reasonable option for people to say, Do you know what, I'm not interested in in reading 10Ks. I'm not interested in in learning about individual companies. You can still invest. That that's not an excuse not to be invested. Investing in the S and P 500 is a, is a really really great way to start investing. It's a great way if you if that's all you want to do. If that's you can invest nearly fully in the S and P 500 if you want, and that can be your investment strategy. Or it's a great way to get instant diversification uh, in in a, as part of a more broad portfolio. So you can own you know a couple of high growth companies that you like. You might like Shopify, or there might be a couple of smaller companies that you've used yourself and you want to invest in. And then rather than building out a full portfolio of 12 companies or 20 companies, you can invest a significant portion of your portfolio in the S&P 500 and get pretty good diversification that way. Absolutely. Okay, so that was uh, Rory's very quick pitch for 500 companies all at once. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> the S&P 500. Let's move on then to Jargon Busters. So we've got two questions in today. The first question is kind of an amalgamation of uh, a of a lot of different queries we've got in over the last two weeks, and it's about circuit breakers. Um, Emmett, you've mentioned them already, so I'm going to come to you. Um, what are circuit breakers in the market, um, and what, how do they work? So a circuit breaker was designed as something that's triggered to halt trading um, and is basically there to stop a market going into freefall. So investors are selling so fast that potential buyers can't keep up. So they're constantly revising their bids while prices continue to plunge. So a circuit breaker is a 15-minute pause during trading to allow some time out. So it allows the world to cool down, take a breath, and uh, reassess their strategy. And we've, yes. seen circuit we've seen the circuit break several times in the last couple of days. I actually lost count, I think it's three or four times. And every morning... Yeah we get a report from our brokerage partners as to what levels we're going to see the circuit break at. And we get a further alert, it appears, saying, yeah, it broke. So the procedure was actually designed by the New York Stock Exchange to, I guess, encourage patience and for everyone to just stop for a moment and, and back out of you know, an emotional uh, lock that it might be in. And it's actually worked quite well. And I was pleased to see it happen over the last few days. But you see, what's quite interesting about watching a circuit, the circuit breaker in action is that um, it's intended to get everyone to calm. But it seems the last few days, it's caused panic. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the, the yeah. mere news of the circuit breaking triggers panic in yeah. itself. Yes. Now we haven't seen, I don't think we've seen two breaks in the last few days. Have we haven't seen a break twice? No. So um, there's a secondary level. So the first break is 15 minutes and, and uh, it's, uh, I think it's when it drops, the S&P drops by 13%. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, oh no, the second pause is when the S&P drops by 13%. So it has a secondary level. Yeah, the first is seven, exactly. And then I think the second is at 13. So when there's repeated drops, the circuit breaks and we're all meant to just calm down and relax. And uh, yeah. I think there's enough data now for us to actually uh, decide does it actually work or not. But yeah, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, that's helpful. Thanks very much. Um, Rory, I'm going to come to you with the second question. So Jeff, one of our longtime listeners here, um, as for our thoughts on Twitter at the moment, so there's been a lot going on um, at Twitter recently. Uh, most probably notably, um, the activist investor fund Elliott Management has 
bought a significant stake in the company and kind of there's been pressure put on CEO Jack Dorsey. Um, it looked for a while like he might have been getting the boot, but I think he's he's safe for now. What are your thoughts on kind of what's going on on Twitter at the minute? Twitter. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said it all there. You know, it's 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 so hard to talk about Twitter because as a product, I absolutely adore Twitter. It is is the first thing I check in the morning. Uh, usually the last thing I check at night. I use it. It's the tool I use most. Uh, yeah. even in my working day because you can set up channels and you can follow people who you know you want to hear from and you're able to digest a huge amount of news or at least a huge amount of headlines in a very short period of time and you're able to pick out you know you, you can cherry pick the ones that you want to read about and that's a, that's a great way about learning what's going on in the market in a very quick way and um, Unfortunately, as a stock, it has just been a real disaster. You know, as a business, it's never really, you know, it's weird. I always, I found over the last 10 years, Twitter has become far more important in so many ways. Um, and yet there's a real mismatch between its importance and its ubiquitousness in the world and how the business functions. I think a long time ago, you know, it, it was for years, it was kind of compared to Facebook because they were the, the kind of two big social media sites. If you want to, if you want to, I don't know if you can call Twitter a social media site, but they were the two kind of big first social media companies. And the, Zuckerberg was often compared to Dorsey. And, and for an awful lot of a long time, Twitter was judged solely on the amount of users it had. And, and every report would be a focus on if they're growing the users, have they, are they catching up with Facebook's? billion or two billion users that Facebook has. And after a while, the market kind of realized that was just never going to happen. And so yeah. the focus did shift to can they monetize the users they have? And in some ways, they have done that quite well. I mean, they crossed the billion dollar uh, revenue mark in a quarter, just their last just their last quarter. But it's been way too slow. And even on the kind of the product development side, it's almost been kind of anemic. The, the product has changed very little over the last five, 10 years. And, you know, even when it, when it changes a little bit, it becomes kind of huge news. Remember when they, they upped the character count uh, yeah. a, a couple of years ago, that was such, that was a, a <laughs> massive, massive uh, story for, for the day and the, and the week that followed. But if you look back over the, the performance, it's very hard to justify it as being uh, a good, a good investment because it has really vastly underperformed its two kind of uh, rivals in the digital ad space, Google and Facebook, and even really uh, underperformed the, the S&P 500 in general. And, you know, there's a lot of people pointing fingers at why that is. Uh, Jack Dorsey, as we know, splits his time as CEO between that and Square. Uh, up until a few weeks ago, Square was doing incredibly well. <laughs> it happened, it's, it's, it's dropped very far uh, since then. So there's been a lot of questions asked of whether Dorsey is the right man to be leading the company. I'm, I'm, I'm quite a fan of Jack Dorsey, even though I, I, I do like to give him a bit of stick as everyone does for some of his, uh, some of his, this <laughs> is the way he talks, the way he, he kind of operates. And, um, but even there was chat of him going in and living in Africa for six months this year, it, that doesn't make the shareholders don't want to see that when they're, you know, over the last five years, the stock has basically been cut in half. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's. I mean, my thoughts on Twitter are that I really, I really hope 
that it becomes a good investment. But I do think that we need to see some big changes in the company. And you know, that when you mentioned that Elliott Management uh, intervention, they also got like a, a billion dollars invested in them from, from Silver Lake. Uh, and Dorsey seemed to at least he at least sat down with them, and, and hopefully we will see some changes going forward. Um, but yeah, not, not a stock I would invest in unless we start seeing something change in the next kind of couple of months because they they really haven't given us much to much to hope for. Absolutely, I think we're all all three of us here are avid Twitter users, and it's it's kind of a shame to you know we always say invest what you or buy what you believe in, and it's kind of a shame that the 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 performance of the company doesn't matter match the importance of the product. Um, so that was your thoughts on Twitter. So let's finish up then with the elevator pitch today. So we're going a bit left of field um, with this elevator pitch. Um, with all the craziness going on in the market at the minute, it can be quite overwhelming to be an investor. So what I've asked you guys to do is to pitch me your best method for staying calm during a crisis. Um, I usually give you... 30 seconds uh, to to do this, but uh, I can't really put a time limit on it because it might just induce more panic on you. So, um, <laughs> so Rory, I'll let you go first. What's your best method uh, for staying calm during a crisis? Yeah, so I mean, uh, funnily enough, it was probably about, uh, maybe it was last week or, yeah, last, last week, it was one day in particular that I found like quite overwhelming. I don't know if it was that, there was an awful lot of kind of news coming all at once, but I was yeah. trying to write. I was trying to write the Daily Insight, and I think I started about five of them, and then couldn't finish them because my my head was just kind of all over the place. And yeah, I did have that kind of sense of God, this is just really overwhelming. And you know, because of our the way we work, you know, not only are we dealing with you know, our own personal lives, but you're you have to read the news. The news is part of your job, so it's kind yeah. of, and it's part of your work, and it's part of what we do. So a couple of things I've done was. One, I have uh, deleted or muted all the notifications on my phone that sent those uh, breaking news updates. Yeah. Because that just, that just wasn't helping matters at all, especially when you have 10 different news apps on your phone and they're all sending you essentially the same thing. Um, so that's been, that's been good. And now I, I check the news kind of once or twice a day just to see what's yeah. going on. And the other thing is I've started using an app called Headspace, which is a kind of meditation app. And I'm, I wouldn't have ever been very big into meditating or anything like that, but this is just, I found it very helpful. It just kind of guides you through sitting kind of quietly for five minutes and breathing and, you know, you, you feel kind of refreshed when you, when you come out of it. So that those two things have definitely helped me kind of keep a cool head over the last couple of days. I think you're sounding a lot more Zen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Emmett, well, how do you keep calm during a crisis? Well, I firstly, I fully agree with, Rory, now maybe it was Rory who tipped me off to mute all my news apps, but I did that. And I, I similarly to Rory, just have decided I'm doing one binge on news a day. And I'm not, mm. I just don't want this constant stream distracting me. I found that to be uh, in its own right kind of distressing. So switching off the constant flow of news, definitely agree. I suppose from an, uh, an original standpoint, when I look at the market, when I look at my portfolio, I have always looked at the numbers, the money invested in my own family's portfolio and the Horizon portfolio, I treat it as if it's not my own money. I actually act as if I'm an advisor to myself, which okay. sounds like I'm hacking my own thought process. But in doing so, and if, if you are a parent or a guardian or, or you're managing money of somebody younger in your life, I think that you take a, 
you actually force yourself into that mindset. You actually treat, you, you're the grown up. You are actually treating their money in a professional, I suppose, mindset. So I, I, I suppose my own mind hack is I lo- always look at the money that I have invested as if it's somebody else's because it allows okay. me to be a little cooler and, and more dispassionate. So I guess switching off news and trying not to allow it um, sway a long-term strategy that you've committed to because it has been proven to work. And I guess making sure that the money you've invested, you don't panic. We've put it away for the long term and, and treating yourself like your own fund manager per se. Yeah, that's very helpful. I think as, uh, as well, you know, it's, it's so easy to get tied up in all the negative news, but there is positive news out there as well. You know, you look at what's happened out in South Korea and in China, they, they are flattening the curve as, as, is the term that's being used. And even I saw a, an interview with uh, the SWAT CEO uh, who said that uh, they're they're opening all their stores back up in China. They expect things okay. to go back to normal in a couple of months. So, you know, there is positive news out there. You can't always focus on the negative. And that's a big yeah. part of kind of keeping a cool head in times like this. Absolutely. And just to add to that, I think you can also get a sense with, with this kind of global crisis that there's, there's very much a sense of the world kind of banding together for this. So kind of those, those typical kind of animosity that exists between countries i think that's really kind of starting to dissipate with this so hopefully it continues and that's about it from this week's stock club uh, don't forget about all the great new stuff in the my wall street uh, platform at the moment and if there's anything you want us to discuss or explain on next week's episode please make sure to get in touch with us you can catch us on twitter that's at my wall street hq or email us at pod at my that's p-o-d at mywallstreet.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Stock Club. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review for us on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on. And that's it from us here today. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Happy investing and please wash your hands. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.